Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, hello, buddy. How about a snack, eh? A patty melt, fries, and a cold pop. Have a great day, and please, do me a favor, enjoy yourself, buddy. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network, a fine network. It's Wednesday, June 7th, 2023. I'm J.E. Skeets here in the Classic Factory, and alongside me, as always, that's Tass Miller. Podcast listeners, this is for you. And over yonder... Making the magic happen, we call him the apprentice. It's Eshua Kid. How y'all doing? What's up, hey. Esh? Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Go get your No Dunks merch over over at excuse me NoDunks.com. New No Bunts, that's up. You guys just did one. Tass and Joel talking about the, uh, I guess the five best things in baseball this week, and one of those things, Aaron Judge being injured. No, that's that's <laughs> I'm not. Kidding, it. Yeah. I'm kidding. That, who I'm fed you that fan. promo? I'm who a f- fan. Uh, gotcha. Uh, Ten day IL for okay. Aaron Judge. Hopefully he'll be all right because he's for on crashing a crazy into the pace. wall. Yeah. Holy moly! Actually, his foot got injured on the cement lip. The fence was the one who was injured, but yeah, on the base they're actually repadding the fence now at Dodger Stadium. There you go. Uh, interesting <laughs> stuff out. there. Yeah. All right, we'll go check out new no bunts. That's up on YouTube, the Athletic Baseball Show feed, obviously wherever you download and listen to podcasts as well. And hey, the NBA Finals are back finally tonight, Game Three. Join us on Playback, eight thirty p.m. Eastern. We're gonna fire up that second stream experience for you. Um, that link to our Playback room is in the show notes here on YouTube, and in the podcast notes. So click that, join the room, and then you know, or I think you're alerted when we're going live. And again, 8.30 tonight, you can even download the Playback app if you'd like to try out that experience. I have. It's good. Yeah, we'll see you there tonight. Uh, Let's just jump into Game 3, a little finals preview here. After Denver took Game 1, Miami, they made the adjustments there in Game 2. Kevin Love back in the starting lineup for some size. You had Jimmy Butler as the primary defender on Jamal Murray. And apologies to Spolstra for this one, but to my untrained eye, (laughs) the Heat did a better job of trying to force Jokic into being a scorer over a playmaker. The result, a 111-108 Heat win in Game 2, and that's why we're tied at one game apiece back in Miami. Which team breaks that tie tonight, and what are things that you're watching for in this Game 3? I cannot wait for Game Three to tip. I think you know before you get into all the matchups. I think this Jimmy Butler thing on Jamal Murray's a little overblown. Before we get into that stuff, just the mental game. The Heat have the mental advantage in this series, obviously because they came in in one Game Two. But the fact that they've been there before, they have the Finals experience over the Nuggets. You've seen them through the first three rounds. 
even as the underdog, when they smell blood, they jump on it. They are extremely resilient. Mm-hmm. That's just who they are. We saw in game two, they come out first punch. All right, here come the, the Nuggets in the, in the second quarter with that incredible run. But the beginning of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, that is what heat culture is. They, they responded in the beginning of both those quarters to take that game. Big lights here in the NBA Finals. It's different for the Denver Nuggets. Will they respond going from Game 2 to Game 3? Now, they have their vets themselves. Jeff Green apparently hosted a dinner on Monday night, okay. uh, according to our Tony Jones at The Athletic. Everybody came over to his house, and they broke bread. So they have a bunch of those guys, too. They have their Udonis Haslam's on their sides with, with DeAndre Jordan and Jeff Green and Ishmith. I just wonder how they respond on the floor after getting beat at home. Now, it's a good omen here. Uh, I don't know if you saw this stat, Skeets, but the last five teams to lose one of the first two games on its home floor in the finals have gone on to win the title, hmm. uh, surprisingly. Back to our Raptors, you know, going going back all the way to, the, to some of those the early Warriors teams, the Heat, the Spurs. So it's not, it's obviously, yeah, they lost home court, but I, I'm just looking forward to this team, again, with the Miami Heat, they they are here for a reason. And I, I think the Nuggets have the mental capacity to, how does that translate onto the floor, not giving up open look after mm. open look after open look. Guys, just, you know, staying with the game plan. Is this moment just too big for them? For KCP with MPJ and those screens being set on them, are they going to cover every single gap? That's That's the question. Are they going to be ready? Yeah, that is definitely something to watch. Can the Nuggets stay closer and not lose these three-point shooters? Um, Miami's the best three-point shooting team in the playoffs. They had a weird, brutal, ugly three-point shooting season in the regular season, but they're lights out at 39.2% in the playoffs. They played a lot of games up to this point. And after struggling through the first three quarters of Game 1, where they only hit 7 of 27, the heat from deep, they've been on fire for five quarters now. 23 of 47 tasks over the last five quarters of finals play. 23 of 47 from three. That's 48.9%. A lot of these looks, hits, and misses, if I'm being honest, they've been pretty wide open. Absolutely. And that's great offense from the Heat. But a part of that, of course, is sort of poor defensive execution, I think, from the Nuggets. Especially when you're doing this whole, are we switching or are we not switching on the side pick and roll, and that's leading to look. So yes, Murray's got to be better. Gordon's got to be better. Michael Porter Jr. is a huge question mark. It'd be nice if he could hit a shot for the Nuggets as well. They just have to communicate better and get locked in and try and take away some of these wide-open looks from the Heat because they're consistently now knocking them down. And just one more note, I saw Professor Zach Lowe point this out. When Aaron Gordon is on Jimmy Butler, the rest of the Nuggets need to trust him a little bit more and stay closer to these Miami shooters. Because if you watch the tape, Butler, yeah, he's going to win some of those battles, but he is getting in there, the Nuggets show help, and then Butler's sort of picking them apart in terms of kickouts. So maybe trust that Aaron Gordon, you know, yeah, he'll he'll pick up a foul or two. He might jump on a on a butler pump fake but let him let him use his size and defensive chops and maybe try and contain jimmy a little bit more and stay at home on all these hot shooters i think that's going to help your chances here oh absolutely that's how jimmy butler wins games i I know jimmy's got the reputation of scoring 40 and 50 but the way he wins series is finding guys uh, when there's there's open players around him and yeah the nuggets did a better job in game one of Jokic sort of sagging into the lane 
giving the mid-range shot up and just sticking at home otherwise and not having to chase like you see teams in the in the 2020 bubble chasing around these Miami Heat and and you start scrambling and that's where the problems were and it happened yeah guys just I think even beside you know helping on Jimmy as we've said just not knowing where the rotations were getting crossed up from the get-go I mean from the first possession with Struess getting an open look because MPJ was a little slow they come out of a timeout basically the same thing KCP signaling over to Michael Porter Jr. Hey, dude, Max Struess is open. He got hot. And yeah, the, the, it could have been a way worse. The, the stats uh, for, for the, the Heat, yeah, they hit, it was, it was a 14 of 29. Um, it could have been way worse looking at all those shots. Yes. They were they were open. So it's a mental thing just to be ready and, and, and just to be out there on every opportunity. They just have to play better defensively. And, and I bring up the, hey, is this moment too big for them? In part because they didn't do some of them didn't do media after the game. Are they all together? Are they the same team that got here to the finals? Because this is the biggest moment of adversity for them. Yeah, they were two two with the Suns, uh, but they went home and won. This is a little different going on the road, uh, and I, I do think it's the mental game more so than anything. Because this whole oh Jimmy Butler came in and shut down Jamal Murray. I, I'm finding that bogus. I went back and watched every Jamal Murray shot in this game. He hit more shots than he missed over Jimmy. He actually, when Jimmy was close to him, he was fine. I mean, he missed a couple shots with Jimmy. I, I, like, of his eight misses, I counted only two or when Jimmy was even close to them. One was at the end of the game there. So I don't think that change really can cha- can alter Jamal Murray's games. He just had a he just didn't have a great game. He had a slow start. He missed his first three shots in the first quarter. Then it seemed like he had a huge uh, game. You know, when you look back, because he had some the monstrous dunk during that second quarter run, the monstrous three from the corner. Uh, he really kicked it into gear there for a bit, but I think he just had a bad game. I think that's what it all comes down to for Jamal Murray. Yeah, Jimmy's obviously a really good defender, but um, I mean, the Nuggets just had a bad one, really. Well, we've talked a lot about and whether or not you want to believe it, yeah, the idea of like trying to like slow down Jamal Murray and that helps your chances to beat the Nuggets and Jokic, you just sort of can't stop him, so you're going to live with whatever he goes and gets. But what about the flip side of this? And a guy that's being completely overlooked in this series, because we talk about Bam, we talk about Jimmy, and obviously Jokic and Jamal. Gabe Vincent has maybe been one of the best players, I know you've talked about it before, in this series, in the playoff run for the Heat. He's shooting 58% from the floor, 56% from three through these two games. 21 points per game. He never turns the ball over. He's got two turnovers in 70 minutes of action. Then Lowry comes in and takes over, and he's had his great moments as well. Uh, Maybe they should focus on maybe slowing Gabe Vincent a little bit, like... Stay a little closer to Gabe uh, because he is stepping into these, some of these wide-open threes and continually cashing them. He's on fire right now. That, 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 that net must look like a hula hoop to him because he has been lights out in that regard. So watch him, too, That early in this game especially, how much focus is paid attention yep. to Gabe, who's been awesome. Quarter number one is really, really important just to see that the punch that – uh, the Nuggets throw, and if the when the Heat throw back, if if the Nuggets are all together, because yeah, they just have to stick to the shooters. Really, yeah. I, I think Jokic just can can do a lot of sagging. They can allow Bam to go off. I think that's their their plan, and hope that all the guys who are trailing Gabe and and every single one of their shooters just gets back in the play and does a good job. So just stick with them. Really? It's, it's just playing D it's just, uh, you see all these picks happening. They have to communicate better on switches. Uh, so cannot wait, cannot wait to, to watch this. 
Michael Malone after game two or leading up to game three said, if you really want to simplify the first two games, in the first three quarters, we have dominated both games. The Heat, they're dominating the fourth quarter. They're averaging 33 points. They're shooting 60% from the field, over 50% on threes. We're up eight points going into the fourth quarter of game two. We're up 21 going into the fourth quarter of game one. That one got a little closer, obviously. Um, What do you think of Malone's comments there about like, Jesus, we've played really well. We've potentially outplayed them for a majority of these games, but they've kicked our ass as the game goes on and get into the fourth quarter. And that's sort of the Heat's thing, and we got to be better in those final 12 minutes. He's totally right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's exactly what happened. And, and I think, you know, being in Denver, you can tell Michael Malone is sort of the the energy, the, the guy who will take the microphone and do the speaking for this team. And that's what happens after every game. He gets up there and says sort of the message uh, that, you'd think would maybe come from another player or something like that, but he, he, he takes the brunt of things. And I know as we've talked about, Jokic doesn't really, you know, love the questioning. Even after one question post game two, he said to the staffer, do I have to answer that? I don't really like that, uh, that question. Uh, So I think Malone does a good job of, yeah, taking the, the heat um, pun intended. Mm -hmm. And uh he 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 does tell it like it is. I think he's pretty good at that. He he fires up this team, and uh, yeah, I expect a better response in, in game two from quarter to quarter. It's so that that is what the Heat do. They're so freaking resilient, no matter right. what the situation is. That, that it, it felt like in the arena after that punch that the Nuggets threw at the beginning of the second quarter. It's done. Um, but the Heat did not stop coming. Beginning of the third. 13 points in, in three minutes there, 13 points in two-plus minutes at the beginning of the fourth. Right. This team does not stop, but I imagine we get a better Nuggets performance tonight because it's, that's why they're in the finals, because they're that good. Who specifically for Denver needs to step up tonight? Obviously, you know you can remove Jokic from this equation, maybe even Jamal. Is it is it Michael Porter Jr. to you or in, in, in tandem with KCP to be better defensively than actually to score and hit some shots? Yeah, better defensively. Everybody has to be better defensively. But I'll take the easy way out and say, like the Miami Heat do, they do it by committee. Yeah. I mean, the the job for Poor Jr. and Jamal Murray as well uh, and, and KCP is just not to force shots. And they do it by committee, by, by allowing these five talented guys, all five guys on the floor, can score. So it's just not forcing it. We, we know MPJ forced some shots. Yep. I thought Jamal forced one uh, that did, he didn't need to. Um, that's that's all it is. I mean, they're just they're just gonna let their offense take care of business. And yeah, it's maybe it's not fun and sexy to talk about like a, a Kyrie Irving or LeBron James story, but it's just stay close to your guy who's shooting the basketball. I think that's what it comes down to. I wouldn't put it on anybody. You think it's on any one guy to to like this? I thing? don't, but I think watch tonight how locked in Michael Porter Jr. is or isn't. And I don't think Malone will be afraid to yank his ass if he blows a defensive assignment, oh, yeah. doesn't rotate, somebody's left going, what are you doing out there? Maybe forces a shot with the blinders on. Like They're, they're, they're going to live with that way more than the defensive lapses. And this is a big game. I'm not calling it pivotal. We save that for game five when it's 2-2. But he, I believe Malone, will not be shy to go to Bruce Brown or even Christian Brown or somebody else that he knows at least is going to bring defensive effort or at least is alert for all 24 seconds of uh, the shot clock. Um, and, and I think Michael Porter Jr., the the type of talent that he is, he could have a huge game tonight. Like, he could break out tonight and suddenly the threes go down, the jumper goes down, and we and he has 21 points. 
And also it gets back to playing with some force defensively, which we had talked about all playoffs long. He had shocked us and he was surprisingly good, especially on like the help type defense where he comes from behind and from the side and uses that athleticism that way. So just watch, just watch early what type of MPJ has, can they get him back? That's the big cue to me. His, his focus because it hasn't been there. Yeah, he lost it in game two. And it was yeah. surprising to see the number the number of minutes played for him was down to 26 in game two. That's very, very few yeah. in an NBA Finals game for a guy that young and, and important to your success. Yeah, coming off game, yeah. game one where he played 43 minutes, right. which was his season high, regular go. season and postseason high, because he was doing an incredible job of trailing guys when they got by him, mm-hmm. just playing uh, incredible defense. So Michael Malone was fine yanking him. He's playing a 19-year-old at times instead of him with Christian Brown. So, yeah, he's this is it. I mean, you, you have to be ready to play. And, yeah, that's why the whole bright lights thing plays a, a part in this. Did they like the smell of their own funk after game one uh, where MPJ felt like he hit a bunch of threes and that's why uh, Nikola Jokic went to the post-game podium and, and looked at the, the score sheet, you know, with those big eyes and somebody uh, asked him, what did you see there on the score sheet? And he said, well, I thought Michael Porter Jr. hit like seven threes because mm-hmm. the impact seemed so big in game one because he's blocking shots, but he only shot two of 11 uh, from three right. in, in game one. He didn't shoot any better one of six in, in game two, forcing it a little bit. Again, maybe just felt like uh, uh, he could take whatever shot he wanted, but this team is just too good. So I can't wait. I can't wait to see uh, how everybody responds. We still haven't got a, an incredible Jimmy game. Does that come? at some point where he's just feeling incredible. But mm-hmm. I, I do think this Nuggets team, because they are so big, they're essentially bigger at, at, at every possession, uh, every position, I should say. I think that if they're playing great defense and they're sticking at home, I, I don't think this is a series where, where Jimmy can really go off if they're playing solid D. But, you know, Jimmy could shut everybody up and have a 40 spot. One thing we know about tonight, heat guard Tyler Hero is listed as out for game three. Um once seemed like a strong possibility that he was going to return from this broken hand. Now seems in doubt. <laughs> I guess he did tell, Hero did, um, he told an ESPN sideline reporter at least that he was experiencing soreness and swelling after the shooting drills. Huh. And you saw him, obviously, <laughs> uh, in Denver. We thought, yeah, he's probably going to play in Miami. He'll probably get out there, but apparently not. No. It's, uh, the hand's still an issue. I mean, he did break his hand. <laughs> That's true. Uh, my untrained eye out there made me feel like, damn, this guy's going to play. Right. Uh, you know how they usually have these bogus shoot-arounds uh, that the media comes out for? They were actually before game one. What do you mean? One, Why do you say they're bogus? Well, they're, they're just they're, just they're not, not they're not practice. They're called sort of practice. I, I they're called just getting it, up shots. Yeah, I said yeah. I said shoot around. They're called practice. Right. They practice for an hour behind closed doors and a half hour. They open the doors and they're not working on anything. No, right. But before game one. It was like the second team versus the third team. They're running drills with Tyler Hero out there. Mm. Omar Yurtseven was setting picks out there. Like they were, they weren't hitting each other, but they were actually, you know, amongst all the times that that both teams went out there. You know, before game one and before game two, there was twenty minutes, the only twenty minutes, you know, of, of all those teams going out there where they're actually running stuff. And Hero was running stuff and running drills, and he was, you know, basically warming up before game two as this as is if he would be playing and I guess yeah my untrained eye looked like he was was good um but yeah he is unlikely to play I think for the rest of the series I mean why why would he you've got such a flow going you're gonna bring a guy back who hasn't played in almost two months now I mean, it's a long period of right, time right. with 
you've got guys, <laughs> Gabe Vincent, you mentioned. I mean, yes, he can shoot from five feet behind the line, but he's also willing to give his body up when Jokic is coming into the lane. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's happened on multiple switches. So yep. the, they're getting good guard play. Yes. So I, I doubt yes. Hero's coming back. Uh, well, to the surprise of many, the Nuggets and Heat are delivering some solid finals ratings. Yeah, according to Sports Media Watch, Sunday's Game 2 averaged a 6.0 rating and 11.91 million viewers on ABC, down just 3% in ratings and flat in viewership compared to the Celtics-Warriors last year. Miami's narrow win there in Game 2, it peaked with 15.26 million uh, tuning in from the 10 to 10.15 p.m. Eastern slot, which was well ahead of last year's Game 2 peak of 14.1 million in a less competitive game. But remember, everybody was terrified. Mm-hmm. Huh, who's going to watch Denver, Miami, especially when you compare it to Boston, Golden State, which are in you know which are three of the league's biggest draws, along with the Lakers, Celtics, Warriors, Lakers. These aren't bad. These are really good. Mm-hmm. Turns Pe- out, people like basketball. I think that's what the headline should be. Turns out people should <laughs> like basketball. I'm, I'm with you. I like the reports from uh, from our guy, John Krasinski at The Athletic, uh, who wrote about the NBA. Maybe they don't want the, these two teams in the finals, but they should want them. This, these are the teams that we should want to basically you know, spread the game out even further. I'm, the, the highlights and the games are being watched, even if the, the ratings aren't great in Europe. Uh, the game is spreading internationally because of, of Jokic, obviously, uh, being in the NBA Finals. So the parody is good. Yeah, the product is good. I can't wait to watch. I can't wait for 2025 when the new CBA happens and there's a new TV deal. Where are we going to be watching games? Are we going to be watching it on a on an Apple TV Plus? Or are we going to be watching games on Amazon Prime? Oh, because no. those, those guys Am I are going to need the Vision Pro goggles. <laughs> Jesus, thirty five hundred dollars. How's, how's the company account looking? Can we get a couple? <laughs> a couple? You're asking a lot. Well, we can we share can't it? share? We have I'll to take game one, you take game two, Trey gets game three. No, we're going to have to sit beside each other every oh. game, quarter by quarter. I'll take my right Switch. eye. Yeah, you'll sit with your left eye. I don't know if it works that way. Anyway, I, I bring that up because I don't know how ratings work anymore. Uh, I, just, I just mean, yes, these are people lo- logged into their cable provider or whatever, but... People are watching on League Pass. People are watching on Playback. What's what's the difference? How does it work? How do ratings work? I need to. I need. <laughs> right. I need well, the book worry. open. Nobody <laughs> really knows. So yes, they are. People are definitely watching these games, but the ratings are so good for for live TV and for basketball that people are going to pay a lot of money. Your Amazons or whoever sure. for for the. For the right to air games. Here's all I know. Here's all I know in saying that headline, NBA Finals Game 2 viewership, same as last year. Better than it being way down. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's all you want to see. Especially with, you know, again, these markets, the teams that are there in comparison to those big, big draws in your Celtics and Warriors. If it's the same or better, win. Huge. (laughs) Sounds right. If if suddenly the headline is uh, NBA Finals viewership, down 40% compared to last year, well then... And that's all that anybody understands about any of these numbers I just gave you anyway. They just go, oh, wow, 40%. That's down. That's bad. But it's not. So, good. I speculate every time I see number skeets. I don't know if I'm just an internet kid now where everything's a conspiracy. I just don't. Oh, you don't even believe these. Well, no. I, I, <laughs> I just made them up. No, I, I th- seeing the online buzz, people are watching games. There, there's no doubt. But, yeah, maybe it seeped into my head that everything 
isn't as it seems. I, I looked at these NBA attendance numbers uh, via our friends at, at ESPN. Did you, did you see these? No. So they, they track them, you know, from game to game, year over year over year over year. Sure. We've got nine teams. Let's throw ten with with the the wraps in at a hundred percent or more attendance. Okay. Yes. Come on. You don't buy we, it. we live here in Atlanta. Atlanta had a hundred for a hundred and four percent capacity standing room only baby <laughs> yeah right <laughs> oh I, hey look i was in that standing room only uh section a couple times it i w- believed in those games was it for a, sh- a <laughs> charlotte like game more in- people standing than there were uh, in their seats in the in the postseason yes it was post-season. yeah so this is for the entire season was was it standing room only for a charlotte game yeah, you're saying in you don't January? buy that, that anyway that's probably true. these are different than ratings numbers i get it yeah. There was, there's, I'm sure there's 11 pe- million people watching. I'm sure, I'm a hundred percent sure of that. Ratings are good. I, I feel like the there is a buzz. People like basketball. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Hopefully, these numbers go up, up, up. Uh, you know, the closer this series stays, if it does go that way. How many people watched us on playback? Was it 10 or 11 million? Uh, I I clocked us out. The highest we got was about 13 million. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, all right. In other NBA news, according to Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports, the Houston Rockets have interest in Fred Van Vliet, Brooke Lopez, Cam Johnson, and Dylan Brooks in free agency. The Rockets still plan to pursue James Harden, but Van Vliet is viewed as a potential secondary option if the Beard does resign with the Philadelphia 76ers. Houston is projected to hold the largest amount of cap space in the NBA, over $60 million to play with here, with uh, expectations to spend and try and improve. And as we've talked about before, get some vets in there to go along with this young core and now Udoka as the coach. I will say, Jake Fisher, love him, love his work at Yahoo Sports. But our guy Mm -hmm. at The Athletic, Kelly Eco, Mm -hmm. had him on our live show in Houston during March Madness, or the final game. He reported these names like three or four weeks ago. Yeah. So... Checks out. Uh, you know, Kelly had these this list of names. I believe it was these exact four names, Van Vliet, Brooke Lopez, Cam Johnson, and Dylan Brooks, that the Rockets were tied to and, and possibly targeting mm-hmm. uh, in free agency. So, good. good <laughs> so, it's Kelly. true. Kelly was ahead of the game, as he should be. He's locked in on the Rockets. Yeah, we're getting into uh, rumor season. This is oh, a- Silly season is almost here. I yeah. mean, silly season's here. We talked about Kyrie Irving. And a LeBron James reunion for 30 minutes yesterday. Yeah, and we're two weeks from the draft, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it feels like there's going to be some trades happening. Right. Uh, especially because a, a team like the Rockets have $60 million to spend. <laughs> and, yeah, there's the the Harden chatter. I, I do think this, you know, as a Raptor fan, I think this is an attractive scenario for Fred Van Vliet. As I'm sure that the Raps offered him a contract – before the season, we all know that story. Apparently, Fred turned it down, thinking he could earn more. Yeah, bet he's, on yourself. Yeah, player option for next year. No, thank you. At twenty-two mil, no, nah, he's going to make more than that mm-hmm. from a team. I'm guessing you know, this is just me reading into things, but Fred wants to be more of a, a prominent guy where he's you know featured a little bit more. He had the ball in his hands a lot, but it was a little different with Pascal Siakam there with the Rockets. A nice contract, thirty per. Handling the ball a ton with Jalen Green beside him makes sense to me, and these names really make sense to me. Uh, yeah, why wouldn't you want Dylan Brooks on an inexpensive deal? The guy's not playing in China; it's not happening. He's <laughs> going to play in the National Basketball Association. Brooke Lopez, very, very interesting. Yeah, the Bucks were a one seed. He's obviously older, but 
are they just going to let him go? Uh, what what's going to happen there? And uh, the Cam Johnson scenario, it seems like the Nets would match anything. Yeah, Cam Johnson ain't going anywhere. I wouldn't think so. I don't think so. But those other three names, you like them? You think they make well, some yeah, sense? Not maybe all three of them here, but you're saying well, one or two of these. Guys. I don't know what happens with Brooke Lopez. I'm not a hundred percent certain. Right. My guess would be he'd stay in Milwaukee. With the Rockets, now you got a three-man, big-man rotation. Where Lopez got to play a lot. Shangun's got to play a lot. And Jabari Smith Jr., who came on in the last couple of months, I think you want to play him a good amount. Mm-hmm. But they all yeah, make sense. Yeah. So Fisher, Eco, they're right. They're both right. Yeah. Uh, but they're going to spend. I, th- I think Tillman Fertitta is going to spend in Houston. This would be a good summer to be a, a veteran free agent mm-hmm. right like like a van vliet or a or a brooke lopez or you know even dylan brooks to some extent he's a bit younger but like there are these squads that are like all right we've lost for three or four years in a row yeah <laughs> um you know sometimes we don't even win the number one pick out of it so mm-hmm. we're done with this bullshit let's win some games and to do that we need to get some actual borderline all-star guys in vet guys to help lead us and help show us how to win and some of these guys fit that bill especially van vliet i think is perfectly suited to do that especially as the point um the rockets the pistons the magic like these teams are like all right come on let's let's sort of go now mm-hmm. and they'll have some wiggle room with the uh, cap space and yeah they're these guys are gonna get paid man you could maybe i don't know how rockets fans feel about it I think on one hand, you're like, yeah, he'd be awesome, Van Vliet. If this whole James Harden thing and he's not coming back, maybe Rockets fans would prefer Van Vliet over James Harden, especially when you start talking like four years and a whole lot of millions. Um, but yeah. what will it look like at the back end of these contracts? Well, sure. Maybe not pretty. Yeah, the Magic are interesting. You brought them up as a yeah. potential Van Vliet opportunity. They need a guard, there's no doubt, yeah. uh, to, to help out. And so that's interesting. Them at number two, a lot of these picks could be traded towards the top of the uh, the draft ladder. Yeah. Gary Trent Jr. has been rumored with the Orlando Magic yep. as well, looking for a guard, another another rap. It's silly season, but I also am buying a lot of these rumors. I think there will be some some big contracts handed up. When did you say the draft was? Two weeks tomorrow, oh, so yeah. June Jeez. 22nd. And this could be a weird draft, or a wild draft, I should say. Because a lot of these teams, with their picks, mm-hmm. going, do we really just want to take another prospect and a really potentially young star, or do we want to like move off it and get help in here? You know, Blazers come to mind, stuff like that, with the number three pick. Uh, and speaking of that, let's pivot to our last topic here. Um, our guys at The Athletic, great article yesterday titled, Which NBA Teams Are Best Positioned to Trade for a Star? Because the thinking goes, inevitably, a star player is going to be on the market again. This is the NBA. And when that moment comes, teams got to be prepared to jump into that conversation and put together a potential package. So Mike Vorkanoff, Fred Katz on the Boulevard, and James Edwards III, they took a look at the NBA landscape task. They looked at the trade assets on each squad. And then they drafted their top like 15 teams in terms of teams, best position, to trade for a star. Their top three went like this. The Thunder, the Magic, and the Blazers. Uh, I know you had a chance to read it. Mm-hmm. What did you think about how they drafted? And really the, the, the question being that I posed to you and everybody watching live and, and listening later, you know, which team do you think is best positioned for a big trade if a star comes available? I couldn't believe, even though we know Sam Presti's a hoarder, <laughs> that he has... 12 first-round picks 
to trade five unprotected picks to trade. I guess because we've been so focused on their growth internally. They made a great trade for Shea Gilgis Alexander, mm-hmm. who's turned into a damn superstar. They basically get a top two pick with Chet Holmgren coming back next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're stacked. The Williams, the the Giddies. You got a Dort. Uh, you got a Dort contract. Uh, um, behind Dort number three is uh, <laughs> this incredible. Yeah, uh, this these cupboards. It's not a Dort. It's a cupboard Dort uh, of draft picks. How many draft picks? These I I, so you I, think I was it's surprised. A thunder, no brainer. Yeah, as far as teams that could make a deal for a superstar, I think. I think the athletic got it right with OKC as number one. Fork enough taking yeah. <laughs> the OKC Thunder number one. What uh, an interesting idea for an article. Yeah, I thought it was cool. I mean, it's nice that they lay out. Highly recommend you check it out. Go to theathletic.com slash no dunks. Get yourself a subscription. Uh, yeah, laying out like like you just said. You're like got to be reminded at times. Like, oh, holy yeah. crap. The Thunder could. Like, if there is a star that's like, ah, get me out of here. I'm tired of this. Like, now who that is is interesting. Like, you know, like, I feel like the Thunder are not going to be actively calling and aggressively going, oh, give us Damian Lillard, if Dame were finally to be like, hey, I want to leave Portland. He's saying the opposite once again. Or Bradley Beal, or or, or maybe you disagree. Like, it feels, if anything, it's going to be like a, a wing to a, a big, yeah. right? That would be like, whoa, can we get that that superstar? Now, is that Carl Anthony Towns? Does that move the needle for you? Uh, somebody else? But they sure are going to have a hell of a package if the squad that is suddenly sort of forced to trade their star or wants to move their star, they're going to be like, yeah, let's get a bunch of draft capital back mm-hmm. and let's rebuild. Totally. Uh, they're going to have the best options. Yeah, I think it it will be sort of like uh, some teams go into the draft thinking best player available or draft by position. I think they would trade by position. They wouldn't, right. ju- they wouldn't just say, oh, Dame – yeah, let's do this. They want somebody also, not not only position, but also somebody that fits their timeline. Timeline, a yeah, bit better. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, a young vet, if they wanted to do that, but it feels like they almost have a roster internally. So some of these other teams, like the Magic, uh, Blazers, Rockets, would be more willing to make a deal. I think mm-hmm. uh, just because I mean, this, this Thunder team is just they're damn good already. The Blazers at number three in this draft from these guys, uh, I think it was James Edwards the third taking them there. Um, the idea being you're keeping Dame and that the package, I think very enticing to the right team for a superstar to come back, but like the number three pick in the draft, Sharp, and then uh, possibly Simons. Like so two really, really good, promising young players and then the number three pick. Now, that would have to be for a hell of a player, I would imagine, coming back. That feels like that's a good package mm-hmm. to a team, again, that's like moving off of their star and, and like sort of like starting from scratch a little bit. But yeah, I thought, I, at first, I thought Blazers at three, that seems like a reach. Seems high, yeah, right? What about, the, what about the Rockets? What about the Pelicans, actually? Yeah. Who have a sort of, uh, you know, young, promising players and then obviously picks as well. But, you know, Edwards made the case for me there. That's, that is, that's a juicy, it's a juicy carrot to dangle. To the right team, I don't. Then you can debate whether the Blazers should even do that, or should it go the opposite way, and they should be the one trading Damian Lillard, which I know we've talked about for I feels like a thousand podcasts, but yeah. And that's why it feels like yes, it feels like uh, a little bit crazy season, like all these rumors coming out of nowhere. But when you look at the the draft order and how things have sh- shaken out with Charlotte, Portland, Houston, and Detroit trailing San Antonio, who we know 
who they're taking. But beyond Wembenyama, Charlotte, Portland, Houston, Detroit, Orlando, you could see making a deal. So I think we're all going to go a little crazy reading rumors the next two weeks, especially before the draft. But I think all these teams could pull off a deal. And that package that you just threw out there for the Blazers, and if they wanted to go get a star beside Dame, Simons, Sharp, and the number three pick, isn't that – that's basically what we threw out there for OG Ananobi as a potential when when we were really, you know, trying trying to juice the, the cupboards of the Raptors. Yes. yes. Uh, you know, they could probably – I think they should hope for somebody a little bit more established as a as a bigger player than OG with that package. Well, you already talked about the Raptors, you know, because of free agency, potentially losing Van Vliet, potentially losing Gary Trent Jr. Could they be one of these teams that have these picks, these unprotected picks, future picks, maybe young promising players, that they're the ones offering up an OG or even a step higher in a Siakam, Right? Now that's a huge decision from Masai and Bobby Webster and like the direction of your franchise. Mm-hmm. But they definitely are they they are they have like they almost have that type of those star players. OG, I'm not saying he's a superstar. I'm saying, you know, obviously a ta- a talented player that you can put on mostly any team from what he gives you defensively and being able to hit a shot. But Siakam, man, not you know, right in his prime under contract, of course. And there's a lot of teams, I think, that convince themselves, like, oh, yeah, we pair him with our other two or three stars, young stars. Then we're talking here. Yeah, the uh, this trade value column has the Raptors sort of middle of the, the pack in the NBA. They're 15th uh, in the NBA in terms of being able to make a big deal. But depending on what they want to trade, they've, they've got it all. They've got every level of player, mm-hmm. from Siakam to Scotty Barnes, who is deemed untradeable in this column. Probably true. Probably true. Uh, you know, when we talked about the, the Kevin Durant trade that happened last year, they weren't willing to part with Scotty Barnes, so they didn't get KD. And why would they trade him now after the year that he had? Doesn't seem like his his value could be any lower because we all believe that the value is only going up. Right. Why the hell wouldn't it? Because he's Scotty Barnes. But, like, the Thunder are, are obviously not trading SGA. The Magic are not trading Paolo. Right. Uh, the Blazers are, I guess, maybe not trading Damian Lillard, but who knows? Um, nobody untradeable on the Rockets. I agree. Is anybody untradeable on the Pelicans? Big Z? Zion, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But yeah, interesting, fun article. Highly recommend you check it out uh, in terms of which of these teams are best positioned to make a big deal once that superstar becomes available. And it's only a matter of time. This is the NBA. It's like it feels like there's three or four superstars like dealt yeah. a year now. Yeah. Superstars, stars, stars. There are only a handful of super superstars. Right. They're moving like uh, coaches are being fired pretty quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. And like coaches being fired, they just go to another team. Yeah, that's true. Right. Uh, we're gonna take our first break. When we come back, we're gonna look at the list of NBA teams to never win a championship. Don't go anywhere. All right, here in the Classic Factory, joining us live on YouTube, we'd love to see it. Hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe. As you all know, the Denver Nuggets, they're looking for three more wins here in the NBA Finals to get their name removed from an infamous list. NBA teams that have never won an NBA championship. Mm -hmm. There are 12 NBA teams in total to have never won a championship in the NBA. Okay, because... 
The Hawks, they won a title when they were St. Louis back in the 50s. The Kings won a title when they were in Rochester in the 50s. And the Thunder Sonics thing, it's always weird. They're sort of like their own franchise. So they're on the list, OKC Thunder. But of course, you know, coming from Seattle, but we're going to get a team in Seattle again, and they're just going to take their history back, so to speak. It gets a little perplexing, Mm -hmm. but follow me here. I thought it'd be fun to go through the 12 teams, like I said, to have never won a championship in the NBA. We'll run through them in alphabetical order, discuss the closest they ever got to winning it all. In some of these cases, they got very, very close, like the Nuggets are right now. And then, using a scale from 1 to 10, sort of debate how close they're winning to a, winning a chip right now. Mm, right? Interesting. And that's where you can definitely chime in here. So, alphabetical order, Brooklyn Nets, 47 years in the NBA, They've made the playoffs 24 times. Now, the Nets, they won two ABA championships in the 70s as the New York Nets, but not an NBA title. The closest they ever got to us, you know this, they lost two consecutive finals in 2002 and 2003 to the Lakers and Spurs, respectively. Um, in 03, that series was tied after New Jersey won game four by the score of 77 to 76. <laughs> game four. Of the 03 finals. 77 to 76, uh, but Duncan too much in that series. Tim Duncan averaged 24, 17, and 5 with 5.3 blocks against the Nets. Now, yeah. you might say you could, that the Nets were even closer to winning a title if Durant gets them past the Bucks in the 2021 playoffs. Obviously, oh, the, the game seven, foot too big on the line. Round two right, there. Right, so. still got two more series to go and win, yes. but the Bucks go on to win it. Mm-hmm. You could maybe, maybe, maybe make that case, but come on, they went to the finals two consecutive years. Your wife, a huge <laughs> Nets fan. I'm sure she was living and dying with those series. Absolutely. She has a Keith Van Horn jersey that was signed by Korn. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, it's framed. <laughs> That uh, is amazing. Yeah, weird stuff. Um, anyways, yes, uh, all of my uh, my costumes, my 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 Carrie Skittles uh, right. costumes from her. She has a, a bunch of jerseys, but I was surprised to look at you said seventy seven, seventy six, game four of the, the two thousand three finals because it was two three two back then. All right. The uh, the Nets had three home games and they were up. Or it was it was split when they went home for game three. They lost game three, won game four, and then lost game five, and then mm-hmm. went back to San Antonio. So, uh, yeah, they, they they had home court advantage after you know splitting on the road, and then uh, couldn't take care of business. It was weird back then. Don't like the two three two. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it either. No. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how close are the Nets oh. to winning a championship right now? Ten being like, oh my god, knocking on the door, it's happening or very likely happening. One, nowhere close. Where would you put them? It's a good question. I would say, you know, they're, they're they feel like an average-ish team yeah, right now. Yeah. But I would say a little closer to winning the championship than not. So six. Wow. Okay. Be- because I think people want to play there. Uh, I think they have some assets. We just talked about the whole trading for a superstar thing. They have they have some good assets. Mikel Bridges is, you know, a burgeoning star. Will he be a number one guy in a championship team? It's, it seems a little far fetched, but he's so damn good. So they're in a good spot. Okay. I think they made it. They made it out pretty well after these crazy couple of years. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. I think six is maybe a little high, yeah, but sure. in the ballpark, four or five, let's say. Okay, next team, Charlotte Hornets, thirty three seasons. 
made the playoffs 10 times. The closest the Charlotte Hornets have ever been to winning an NBA Finals, an NBA championship, it's not that close. They've only made it to the conference semifinals four times. So they've never even gone to the conference finals. Three times they lost in five games in those conference semifinals, so not all that close. But, but, but in 01, they pushed the Bucks to seven games. And in fact, they had a 3-2 series lead with game six, I believe, in Charlotte. And they got crushed in the second half by Sam Cassell and Baron Davis and Jamal Mashburn for the Hornets. Picked a bad time to go ice cold. They shot a combined 11 for 35 in that game six that they could have closed out instead lose and go on to lose in seven. So never really all that close when we're talking about uh, the Charlotte Hornets. On a scale of one to ten, <laughs> how close is this team to winning a chip? I'm feeling pretty positive today. <laughs> okay, go on. Uh, so LaMelo is obviously the, the number one star with a bullet there. Uh, Oof, I'd go more four. Okay, four I, is I, very kind. Yeah, it's kind. They yeah, are, they're, that's high. So yeah. they're not. They're not anywhere close. They're really. not. They're not. No. I mean, they're not even really anywhere close to a conference finals, let alone winning a chip. Okay. Denver Nuggets uh, is next on this list, alphabetical wise. Forty-seven years in the NBA, made the playoffs twenty-nine times. The closest they've ever been to uh, winning one of these things, right now. Right here, right now. Yeah, their best team in the West. They had home court advantage in the finals. Especially when Miami got there. They have a two-time MVP. <laughs> Everybody's healthy. Full squad. They've got the rotation. They've got a coach that's been there for a while and obviously have an identity. And they're tied 1-1. So, <laughs> you know, big game tonight. But they've never been closer. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's shaken out damn well that they got home court advantage with three teams in the Eastern Conference that had better records than them. But they ended up facing a, a team far lower than in, in the bracket. And here they are with uh, also their best player in franchise history, sort of reconciling with the team. Not Jokic, Dan Issel coming back. He sure. was there standing outside the arena. And uh, a lady, older lady with her daughter who had season seats for 47 years. They've had season seats for 47 years going into game one, extremely pumped for their NBA finals experience. And Dan Issel came by, the old Dan Issel Hall of Famer, came by and they said hello to him. Oh, wow. Because they've been there so long that they know everybody. Uh, who Issel coached the team a, a couple times, uh, had a bit of a, a controversy, and then, uh, yeah, he was there for before game one to sort of reconcile. I don't think he had been seen around the team in decades essentially really? almost oh, almost almost two that. two decades yeah where he he was he was fired for uh throwing a slur unfortunately uh around while he was coaching the team and things weren't going well but he's back um yeah somebody somebody spotted Dan Issel in that video I just talked about we we put together a short about fans outside and how they would celebrate somebody spotted him in the comments and I thought like he's, wow he's just wandering in the background well he yeah he was he was kind of just he greeted this uh the the season seat holder yeah and somebody in our comments knew who Dan Nissel was I was very impressed by that okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to mention that <laughs> on a scale of one to ten 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 okay yeah uh Indiana Pacers also 47 years in the NBA we got all these ABA teams we're talking about here in the in the Nets and the Nuggets and the Pacers. They've made the playoffs 27 times. Now the Pacers, sort of like the Nets, had ABA success. They won three championships uh, over like a, a decade span. So won the ABA title, never the NBA. 
Closest the Pacers ever got. They lost to the Lakers in the 2000 Finals. Six games. It took a couple. Uh, they couldn't stop Shaq, even though they had a million giant white guys to try and uh, slow him <laughs> down and foul him. But Shaq averaged 38-17 and 17 in the Finals. Though Reggie Miller and Jalen Rose both averaged over 23 points per game in that Finals. But, yeah, getting there was uh, the best they've done. 2000, 2000 Finals. That was a team. Yes, Rick Smith was trying to deal with uh, Shaq. And not only the, the white guys, but they, you know, they threw out a they they had a Davis back then. They, oh, they did da- have a Davis. They had Dale Davis back then. They had former NBA champ Jean Tabak deep, deep on the roster. Um, but uh, that was an interesting team. That was that was that was a fun squad that they they got there. So how close are the Pacers? Interesting. So you got your Tyrese as your number one. Yeah, they've got some supporting cast around him but how close are they i mean it's it's, it feels like they're sort of middle of the pack are they higher than the nets do i put them higher than a six i mean they're they're right there i'll I'll give him a i'll give a six because i'm in such a good mood okay ben math i saw him uh, ben matherin was out at uh, the nba finals i believe i believe they had a couple of these young players like doing finals media Mm -hmm. like i've seen jalen williams for the thunder there's Matherin. Who else? Walker, uh, Walker Kessler. Kessler. Yeah. So what's and, going on? And Paolo Banquero will be there before uh, Game Four, I guess. And they're just like you, like doing little interviews <laughs> and stuff like that. I'm sure they get better access. But... Yeah, they do get better okay. access. Yeah, they're exactly like me. I, I, I was like, I was thinking the same thing. What are they doing out there? They want some broadcasting experience. I think it's just sort of like promotional stuff with the league. Hey, get some of our young stars some, yeah. some FaceTime. Smart. Basically what it was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here we go. Next team, Los Angeles Clippers. 53 seasons in the NBA, starting back in 70-71 as the Buffalo Braves, you know, playing in San Diego, now in L.A. As a franchise, they've only made the playoffs 17 times. 53 years. 53 seasons. 10 of them coming in the last 12 seasons, though. So this is like, you're a Clippers fan. For 50-plus years, you're living in the the best moments of their franchise history. Closest they ever got? This is interesting. The Lob City Clips had some good teams, right? But they could never even get to the conference finals. Always coming up short. And then we had the 2020-21 Clippers under Ty Lue. They got to the Final Four, and they lost to the Suns in six games. And that was without Kawhi Leonard. He was injured in the second round versus the Jazz. He had been averaging 30 points per game in the postseason with like 57, 40, and 88 shooting splits. I mean, it was like it was like Raptors Kawhi there. But he goes down and they put up a valiant effort led by Paul George against the Suns, but they lose in six. But that's that's the closest. Unless I'm forgetting a, a Lob City team that you believe was better. Were they better? Doc Rivers, I guess, would say no. That team could never win. It seemed like they had so much talent, though, right. and were just unable to, to get there. I guess I'd say that team was the closest. Your 21 team that was able to get to the conference finals, even though Kawhi got hurt again. But they're not close, I would say, now. Even though they have Kawhi and Paul George on their team. Mm. Fool me once. Fool me four times. Fool me six times. I ain't going to believe in this team. Okay, so you've got with, them quite the low. Injury. Yeah, wow. I would say below the other teams. Like Damian Lillard once said, no good clipper. You remember when he said that in a commercial? Not really. There was that ad. Anyway, 
Okay, so like Theo says here, the Clippers will be the Clippers, so you have to say minus 10. <laughs> All right. I, uh, I think you guys are... Yeah. And I'm the biggest Clipper doubter there is, but I still have probably... When we go through these teams, they do have some of the best talent. They t- and talent. they were there in the conference finals not all that long ago. It's got to count for something. So put me ballpark five or six. Yeah, and they started these playoffs off uh, all right against yeah. the Suns. Yeah, it was a it was a series without Paul George, and then Kawhi goes down. So on a scale of one to ten, do you believe Kawhi Leonard <laughs> can stay healthy for you know two months? It's hard. It's hard to believe that. Right. Uh, next team, Memphis Grizzlies. 28 seasons in the NBA. First six spent in Vancouver. 13 playoff appearances. A lot of them, like the Clippers, coming you know recently. 10 in the last 13 seasons. Closest the Grizz got. One Western Conference Finals appearance in 2012-13. So the 13 playoffs. They won 56 games. They beat the Clippers and the Thunder. But then they got swept by the Spurs. They had no answer for Tony Parker. And uh, Zach Randolph had a really bad series. Uh, Spurs defense, got to get some credit for that. He shot 30% in that sweep to the Spurs, Zach Randolph did. So it's either that 13 playoff run where they got to the conference finals or Tass, last year's Grizzlies, right? They lost in the semis to the Warriors. John Morant only played three games. Warriors Mm. going to win that title. I mean, it's, it's one of those squads. Oh, interesting. Well, it's a big, it's a big what if. If Jaw was there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, took a couple games off them. Hammered, right. them, hammered them in the one game. I'll, I'll give it back to the uh, the old Grind City Grizz, okay. Grizz that got there in the conference finals. I know it felt like they had a bit of a ceiling, um, but yeah, it just it just never worked out perfectly for that team. But I think they had the talent. And now where would you put them on the scale? Ooh, how because, interesting is this? I mean, obviously a team that can win a lot of regular season games has been in postseason runs now, but then there's this whole John Morant issue well, and what and how much that sets them back or not. We don't even know, obviously, what the suspension is. We do not. We don't know what this team is looking forward to. Like, are they going to have, like, a complete write-off season next year? Possible. But or they, can they manage without well, him? Which I, think, they have. I, I think they can. Yeah, they've they've done so well without him. Yeah. What were they? Twenty one and four without him uh, last season. Some ridiculous number. So yeah, even if he misses on the high end half a season, why can't they put it together to have a playoff run? I, I would put them in the upper echelon of, okay. of teams that could win it at a seven. I think they're fairly okay. fairly close. Why, I, I can why? buy that. Yeah. I can buy that. Uh, you know, again, this is. Also thinking he's not going to be suspended the entire year. Unlikely. So he should play next year. Yeah. Can they, you know, keep their heads above water, if not still exceed expectations like they have before, and then he comes back, they'd be a very, very dangerous team. But it's interesting what they're going to do in the offseason, too, because yes. Dylan Brooks is not allowed to come back. <laughs> uh, so I just I wonder what will happen with that locker room, because that's a question, too. You know, Besides Morant not being there, are they going to be – uh, a, a bunch that has chemistry now. This is going to be difficult to come back from. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, 34 seasons in the league, 11 playoff appearances. The closest the Wolves got, 03-04, when they lost in the Western Conference Finals. KG um, had lost in the first round with the Wolves up until that point in seven consecutive seasons. Think about how wild that is. Mm. And then in 03-04, they win 58 games. KG's MVP. 
He's, you know, at the peak of his performance with Minnesota. They beat the Nuggets in five. They outlast the Kings in seven. And then they play the Lakers. It's always the Lakers. They lose in six in that series. But they put up a fight. I mean, you go look at that series. It's sort of funny. It's like Shaq and KG are sort of like matching each other. Kobe and Sprewell are sort of matching each other. Even like a, an old Gary Payton versus a, an older... Uh, not older than GP, but older in his career. Uh, Sam Cassell, they're sort of matching each other. Carl Malone has like a really good game one. He disappears for a couple, plays solid in game six to close it out. He averaged 12, 10, and five. You know, this is an old Carl Malone on the Lakers there before getting injured. So, yeah, that's a. They were pretty damn close there, the Wolves losing in six to that Lakers team. That would go on to then lose in the finals. And uh, Sam Cassell's injury in the. Second round against the Sacramento Kings was game seven, where he got injured before they went to the conference finals against the Lakers, I think was big, actually. And it wasn't him doing the big balls dance. It was him uh, taking a shot. But he wasn't 100%. And he was a big part of that team. He should he should have been out playing Gary Payton. Um, and he had he was playing you know his best, best ball of his career. They needed him desperately. And so I think that could have been different if he wasn't injured. Who would have won that finals? Let's say hypothetically, Wolves healthy versus Wolves Pistons? the Pistons. <laughs> yeah, I'd guess the Pistons yeah, didn't seem like they could be stopped. Yeah, getting lots of Pistons vibes from this Heat team too that we're mm. watching in the finals. Just a team that does it by committee. Uh, and how close are the Wolves to winning a chip right now? Ooh, five point seven. Okay. Think, yeah, it's, it's interesting. You think less than like a Nets team. To me, they got to yeah. be on par. Yeah, you're right. You got a star right. and Ant. You do have, <laughs> you might trade Cat. Who knows? Yeah, you're right. I should flip those. Somewhere, somewhere there. Somewhere. Yeah. There. Okay. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, this is a weird one in terms of like their franchise. Basketball Reference has them as a franchise for 21 seasons from 0203 to current year. There, There's the weird like the uh, Charlotte. Or, you know what I mean? Like the New Orleans Hornets things. It's I'm always confused. Like, who takes those years? Is it the Pelicans or is it Charlotte? I think it's Charlotte. But anyway, New Orleans Pelicans, uh, they've had nine postseason appearances if you count them losing in the play-in game. Otherwise, eight actual playoff runs. I forgot we got to take that into consideration now. The postseason playoffs. Yeah. yeah, it gets confusing. Anyway, the closest New Orleans has come to a chip. It's not all that close. 07-08, New Orleans Hornets. Right. They lost to the Spurs in the second round. A valiant seven-game series that they came up short. They had game seven at home. Peja Stojakovic, he went ice cold, shot three of 11. Rough, rough game from him as our lights are flickering here in the studio. Um, So that was close. And then as the Pelicans, closest they got was maybe 2018 playoffs where they swept the Blazers. Remember that shock in the first round? And then they lost in five to the championship uh, Durant-Curry Warriors. So not all that close for either iterations of New Orleans, Hornets mm. or Pelicans. Yes. I, I was looking this up because, I, I, as you were saying, do the Charlotte Hornets get the old Charlotte Bobcats, old Charlotte Hornets history, or does that belong to these Pelicans? So I was looking at the the New Orleans slash Oklahoma City Hornets and, and what ended up being Chris Paul's longest uh, run sort of as a leader with with that franchise right. that that second round 08 exit to the Spurs they were up 3-2 in that series and they lost game 6 and game 7 there you go chris paul and david west making things happen there and uh, couldn't get it done 
Is that Spurs not the uh, series that was delayed? That one game that was delayed because um, one of the mascots, maybe the, maybe the coyote, I don't remember, um, but knocked over like a ring of fire Wasn't onto it, the floor. Was it Hugo the Hornet? Was it that? I just remember. I, I remember he had I think some... it was that series where a game Whoa. was delayed because of that. But I don't know why. <laughs> I don't even know if it was that series. It was between those two teams. I remember I Hugo that. had a, a fire problem. But I don't remember if it was, was that it series. Pyro? Yeah, who gets the mascot history? Is it the Charlotte <laughs> franchise? Anyways. Okay, so anyway, yeah. Pelican's not all that close. Where do you have them now? Oof, this is a tough one. That's a huh? tough one, yeah. Because they have uh, quite a high ceiling, it feels like, when they're all playing, but quite a low floor, too, if they're not. But six, okay. seven, hopefully, on a good day. Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, again, Sonics won the 79 NBA Finals. They won the chip before they moved and became the Thunder. But... You're saying Sac- or Seattle's getting another team. Yes, yes. And once they do, I, I I think then all the history just, of course, goes back to them. And mm. OKC is its own thing. Uh, but they've spent 15 seasons in OKC. They've made the playoffs 10 times, postseason 11 times, if you count the play-in tournament from this year. It's a hell of a percentage when you think of it. <laughs> like They've always had pretty damn good teams there in OKC. Closest they got, they lost the 2012 NBA Finals to the Miami Heatles in five games. They were close. They were 12-3 and three headed into that Finals. So they were rolling, and they took game one. Yeah. They maybe could have taken game two. Touch Bit of foul. a controversial call there. That's right, touch foul, KD on LeBron. And, uh, you know, they lose, and that's the only Finals appearance. Well, they've had a few other conference Finals appearances. And maybe if it's not Game Six, Clay, you know, with all those shots against them, yeah, maybe they go to the finals and put up a fight against the the comeback Cavs there and LeBron's team, and they battle again, Katie mm. and LeBron's possible. So they've had a, a few chances, but the closest is obviously making it to the 2012 Finals. Yeah, I think you made a decent case for the 2016 team being even closer, even uh, mm. if K doesn't. Clay doesn't shoot the lights out in game six because then they have at least some experience going into the finals, you know, being there would have been their second finals mm-hmm. as opposed to 2012, where it just seemed like they were a little too young, uh, didn't have the experience to right. be there. But yeah, a very accomplished team, even though they haven't won it. How yet. close are they now? They're damn close. Whoa. I mean, you, you're I'm, saying you could see OKC getting to the finals at least in the next three years. Yeah. That's it's you know it's a little presumptuous, but are, yeah. are they are they on par with like a Memphis? I don't think they're that far off, right? So something like in that ballpark. Okay, so you're saying seven, eight, yeah, something seven, like that. seven. Uh, Orlando Magic, part of '89 expansion, so they've been in the NBA for 34 seasons, 16 playoff appearances to show for it. Though they haven't been out of the first round in a long time, there in Orlando, closest they got. There's a few teams you can make the case for. The 59-win Magic lost the 2009 Finals to the Kobe-led Lakers uh, in five games. They lost 4-1. Though they were, that Orlando team, one of the rare teams to knock off a LeBron squad in the Eastern Conference. So they did do that before losing to Kobe. And then you could go back to the 95 Magic, who made the Finals, but they got swept in four uh, in that Finals against the Rockets. The next year, that Magic team won 60 games... And then they got swept by MJ's 72-win Bulls in the conference finals. So good good teams there. 
back in the 90s led by Shaq and Penny and then obviously that 09 iteration with Dwight Howard and Hito Turkoglu and Jameer and, and Richard Lewis and those guys um, JJ I guess was on that team right um, which one would you pick oh that 09 that team yeah, yeah yeah they could have uh, won game two they lost game one to the Lakers and uh, Courtney Lee missed that layup at the end of game two uh, I, mm. I do believe. And then so they, they could have stolen home court advantage and uh, gone back to Orlando at one piece, but they went back to Orlando down 2-0. So that was, uh, yeah, that, they went into overtime that game too because Courtney Lee missed the right, layup. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. The inbound. So nice drop by Stan Van Gundy. And if it's 1-1 going back to Orlando, then it's a different story. But the only one won at home and – yeah, it was done. Somebody needs to fact check me, but I feel like that was the last NBA Finals where we had that giant Larry O'Brien really? decal. Yeah, I think so. I don't think we saw it after that. But somebody cow. fact check me on that. Yeah, it's been a while. Mm. Uh, and how close are the Magic? I mean, they got the number one pick in Paolo, Rookie of the Year. They got two picks this year. Are they going to package those together? Move up? They're get another player? They're at least a six. Okay. It's high. But a six. Hi, I mean they need they need to have some postseason success here. Yeah, and get into it. <laughs> they haven't have been there. Well, haven't been there, and they haven't won a first round like I said in a long time. And the final team, Phoenix Suns, fifty five seasons in the league, thirty two playoff appearances. Uh, this one also up for debate. The closest they ever got. It's either the recent Suns that lost in the two thousand twenty one finals to the Bucks in six, a series in which they had a two zero series lead. Mm-hmm probably should have won game four as well uh where they have a bad bad fourth quarter so it's that or do you want to go with the 0607 suns that lose in the semifinals to the eventual champion spurs and that features the infamous robert ori body checking nash moment that leads to the amari and boris dia suspensions for game five mm-hmm. suns lose that one by three points and then they fall in game six uh, you know, the Spurs went on to beat the Jazz in five, and then they swept the young LeBron Cavs in four. Could that have been the Suns? A lot of people think so if they get by the Spurs there. So it's one of those two teams. Or Barkley in the finals. Or Barkley in the finals. <laughs> Good point. I uh, totally forgot about that one. Yeah, they have three then, yeah. Because it seems like... I completely blanked on that one. The, the team, yeah, didn't perform enough around... Charles in, in 1993 with the MVP leading the way there. So there's that one. But the up 2-0 against Giannis and the Bucks. Yeah, that was close. That one, that is like, I know that didn't happen all that long ago. It caught me by surprise. Like, oh, I always forget they were leading 2-0. <laughs> Trey Kirby always remembers when Chris Paul gives up a <laughs> a, a series lead like that. He'll, uh, he'll remind you. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Yeah. And again, I mean, okay, you're up what 2-0. Was game you four? lose game three. Game four, I just think they had a complete, you'd have to check it, but I think they had a shitty shitty fourth quarter and the bucks were on fire and like that they were up they had that game in control mm. and so they're about to take a 3-1 series lead and they lose it and it's 2-2 and obviously lose the next two they lost the fourth quarter by 12 points and they lost the game by six points so they're up going in the fourth they're up. Yep, yeah. yep 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 oh i forgot one team i'm sorry no oh. utah jazz hmm. 49 seasons in the nba a uh, few of the early years in Nolens, uh, 31 playoff appearances. Closest they got, well, this one's easy. 97-98, they lost in the finals to the uh, Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls. Excuse me, the Scotty Pippen Chicago <laughs> Bulls. Uh, and of the two, 98, the real kick in the nuts. Because they won game one, so they have a lead. 
in that series. And, you know, if Carl Malone doesn't get stripped by MJ, they potentially win game six because MJ doesn't, you know, get a chance to hit the push-off jumper over Russell to end the series. So maybe they force a game seven. Anything could happen. Could Utah have won it? Who knows? Probably not. But, yeah, close. So 97-98 losing back-to-back finals to the same team. Whew. Can't get much closer than that, Tass. Absolutely not. The mailman did not deliver. That was uh, just looking it up. I I didn't remember it, so I had to look it up. The mailman didn't deliver in game one of the 97 finals when he went to the line and Scottie Pippen, Scottie Pippen's Bulls, got in his ear and and said the mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays. In 98, they should have had mail service on Sundays in Utah. That would have been funny. That could have been funny. The mailman's going to deliver. You know, for two weeks or whatever. Um, <laughs> he didn't. He didn't, no. I mean, he well, he played okay, but obviously that strip was brutal. That bad, bad turnover with like 14 seconds to go. They're leading. They're that leading was, that game six. That was the, yeah. They win like that the again. Anything could happen in a game seven. So real close. And this, like, I mean, yeah, people are saying here in the chat, like, Utah Jazz had really, really good teams. And they probably win a ring if they don't run into the Bulls. And you can say that for a lot of teams. But that is why they're on the list here. 12 teams. NBA teams that haven't won a championship. Uh, seven of those 12 teams have made the finals and lost. I thought that was interesting. Three of them have had two cracks at it. The Jazz, the Nets, and the Orlando Magic. Uh, and the Suns, excuse me, four. I don't know why I forgot about the 93 <laughs> finals. Uh, the Hornets and Pelicans have never made the conference finals. And my final note in just doing this list for everybody, Durant played on three of these teams. Or currently plays on the third team. The Thunder obviously got close. The Nets, okay, not all that close, not making it to the finals, but that game seven, foot too big, and then now the Suns. So he will be trying for the third time, is my point here, in his career to 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 take a team to the promised land and bring them a chip. Couldn't do it in OKC. Damn close. Couldn't do it in Brooklyn. Trying here with the Phoenix Suns. And he's never going to go back to a franchise that had won championships. Oh, I guess he could. Yeah. <laughs> but he likes it better when he's I mean, be yeah, because cool. the Golden State scenario didn't didn't feel like it was his title, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that was a little different. You know, it's a really recent championship that he went to, but I think that's you know he likes it more when he can bring a franchise its first championship. <laughs> well, you got to the problem with that is you got to bring the team their first championship. Yeah, that's a problem. It's hard <laughs> that's to do. That's the part he's trying to do. It's hard to do. Very difficult. Anyway, had some fun putting that, that together. Fun. Uh the 12 teams that haven't won an NBA championship. Uh let me know if you, you know, disagree with any of those closest teams that I ultimately picked for some of those squads. We're going to take our final break when we come back. We got two tweets of the night. Don't go anywhere. It's NBA playoffs time, and that means NBA snack time. I can't stop eating while I'm watching. So many options in my house that I gotta cut out a bit. I gotta switch it up, but I know I'm not giving up. Sunflower seeds? Sure. But maybe something that's not a food for that oral fixation, perhaps? Good thought. Here's a breath of fresh air. Fume. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and more enjoyable. Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Its taste is surprising. All natural stuff. 
It's fun to fidget with, and it's a good weight. The wood feels good, and it feels cool to use. Start the good habit by going to tryfume.com slash dunks and getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners to the show 10% off when they use our code dunks to help make starting the good habit that much easier. I got to get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute. But man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of No Dunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey, you're back with the guys here in the Classic Factory. Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Boom. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Tweet. Uh. I got two tweets of the night. One NBA-related, one not. First one from at ESPN Stats and Info. The Heat have been outscored by 24 points over the first three quarters of this postseason. But... Check this out, Tass. They're plus 90 in the fourth quarter. Plus 90. That's currently the third best fourth quarter point differential in a singles playoffs in NBA history. So the 07 Cavs were a plus 99. The 2020 Heat, plus 94. And now, currently, this Miami Heat team, plus 90 in the fourth quarter. (laughs) This is nuts. It is nuts. It's very difficult to really define what heat culture is. <laughs> Apparently it's this is it. the fourth quarter, yeah. Well, it's uh, be extremely well-trained. Uh, right. Do not be fatigable. You can't get tired. <laughs> Pat Riley will come up to you and check your, uh, your body fat at the beginning of camp. You better be ready to go. It's these uh, resilient squads. That's interesting. 07 cat was interesting that yeah. they, were, they were great in the fourth quarter, but then they got hammered uh, in the finals, uh, get, yeah. getting swept. The 2020 Heat. There you go. This is this is Heat Same culture. Idea. And if they can pull this off, be the first champ, I guess, um, from this list. I've seen some people comparing the uh, third quarter Warriors. Remember, they would always Ooh. just run away from teams in that third quarter during some of their championship runs. That's what the Heat do here in their fourth quarters, at least through these playoffs. Plus 90, and we got games to be played here. Uh, second tweet. It's got nothing to do with basketball. I just had to get your opinion on it. Everybody out there. Uh, at Tara Sloan, I believe was the person that tweeted it. She tweeted it with the photo. He stores cups and glasses upside down. I store them right side up. Neither of us will budge. Who is right and why is it me? And here is the photo of the coffee mugs in the cupboard. Some, <laughs> you know, down as if you were trapping something underneath it. And some just 
you know, up. Tass, how does the Mellis household <laughs> do this? Or are you like Tara here and, and her significant Ooh. other and you're both you're doing both? Uh, I know you wouldn't be able to do that. I'm going to assume that you wouldn't be able to have a cupboard with both I would, up and down. I wouldn't be able to you, sleep at night. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, My OCD would kick in. Yeah, some, I like challenging myself. I, I don't want it to look like this, but like in my closet, I like to throw shirts backwards, facing opposite oh, directions, okay. and and yeah. try and force myself not to touch them. Yeah, uh, I can do that too. Oh yeah, it doesn't bother me. Too oh much. okay. Yeah, you would think it would, but it doesn't. Oh yeah. okay, cool. They're not all perfectly <laughs> facing the right direction. And the hanger and all that. No, no. Oh okay. Cups, man. Cups. Cups. Back to the cups. I'm definitely like uh, like Tara herself. Face up. I don't need to. Your Turn face up. Yeah. You don't want to pretend you live in a diner? Right. They're face down. Keep the dust out. Yeah, that's what people say. I get it. I guess uh, you could make another <laughs> argument for why you want them face down. What's you that? You can stack them better because then you could... Oh, I like stacking them face up, though. Oh, like a cup in cup type yeah. thing? Yeah, well, you get different size you cups. you can't do that, though. A They're... mug, you can't do that with the handle, generally. No, I guess I'm doing uh, smaller cups within a mug. <laughs> Because okay. I got different size mugs, espresso mug cups. Oh, okay. Well, that's totally... Danielle has made different types of sizes of mugs. Uh, so a stacker? I guess. I guess. I think Tara's just showing off her mugs. Those are nice mugs. Those are nice mugs. Some nice yeah. ceramics in the mix there. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a cup down, though. Interesting. Ash, what are you doing at your household? Or are you arguing about it with your wife? No, uh, it's cups down, especially for mugs, I feel like. And so why, though? Uh, the dust factor... I think that's I, I think the biggest thing. How dusty is your house? I mean, I think everybody well, says this as a reason, but we, it's like how... You know, we used to have a dog. So, like, the dog, like, it's everywhere. The hair's everywhere. Like, you open you the have closed like, cupboards, don't you? I know. Oh, it's okay. weird. Like, I don't understand <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. But you like, you generally, if I looked right now, they're down. Uh, Off of memory right now. <laughs> oh, boy. Take a photo today. Actually, you know what? <laughs> They're like this. They're kind of up and down. Oh, are. so it's... And then some of the cups... I did I did the dishes yesterday. So <laughs> some of the cups, the plastic cups are uh, upside down. Some of the mugs are kind of mismatched. So. I, nice. Yeah. I'm going to have to look tonight because I think we might have both going on as well, depending hmm. on the cups, depending on the space. But a coffee mug, I don't mind down because you could put another one on top because of the base. So yeah, it's just like that's risky, and and like I think ninety nine percent of people out there have way too many coffee mugs. Absolutely, I know I do. I do. Why why do we have fifteen coffee mugs? Now everybody should go to uh, nodes.com <laughs> get themselves a great coffee mug. Now this is a beautiful coffee mug. This is Good Morning Sweet World. You can get this in an eleven ounce, fifteen ounce, <laughs> tons of great mugs. But right, you got too many mugs. Oh yeah, I brought a couple here because I was trying to get rid of them. That's smart. I'm gonna bring some. In. Yeah, and I think uh, they. What? JD's yelling, please but don't. I thought you, JD's yelling, please don't. I thought you put out a call saying that we don't have enough mugs because they're breaking around here. He or did something. say that. He did say that. I've got I some... think he's a little too rough with mugs at this house. Oh, 100%. JD's taking over the mic. Yeah, listen, this, uh, I don't like this topic. It's very triggering for me. Okay, uh, what's, and so what are you doing? Well, my mug? wife won't throw away any mugs. I just wanted to have <laughs> branded mugs for the studio, oh, okay. which we are running out of because they get smashed, yeah. How are they smashing? Well, you know, Rachel filled the dishwasher with bread because she wants the kids to wash dishes. Fine. Bread? Yeah, you just said 
Yeah, I'm the, yes, bread is in my dishwasher. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? She's keeping the bread. We don't. We have a very tiny kitchen. She keeps the bread in the dishwasher. We have a perfectly fine dishwasher. <laughs> and oh. the kids wash dishes by hands because yeah. we want to yeah, teach them how to chore. do chores, yeah, yeah. right? So, but they're too rough with the the mugs. So oh, it's just it's. I, I live with mad people. <laughs> This, uh, so yeah, my the mugs in our thing is up, down, every which way, stacked like chaos. You are short on space. Short on space, you don't have a lot. but not short on mugs, just random mugs. <laughs> so don't bring me your random mugs. We'll get some classic factory mugs in here, and that's and that's uh, it. I yeah. would love to have a coffee in one of those mugs. Cut ourselves a nice slice of dishwasher bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the hamburger buns. Chill there's up. some uh, bread. There's a rye bread. We got some sandwich bread. <laughs> this is amazing. Fucking full of. Anyways, okay. Carry on. Sorry yeah. to upset you. Yeah, my brother's house also used the the dishwasher <laughs> as storage space. As a cold cellar, I guess. I mean, that's what you guys are saying. It was. It was actually. It was confusing because there are plates in there. It was like it was like drawers essentially for for plates. Oh wow, wow, <laughs> fascinating! All right, anyway, well, I'm glad I glad I included this as the second stuff. tweet of the night. What a long podcast! I thought this was going to be our show to show, nope. shortest show of the week. Nope, 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 guys! Thank you so much for joining us live. Hit that like button, subscribe. Podcast listeners, leave us a five star rating and review tonight. Oh, tonight, game three of the NBA Finals. We'll be on playback at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. That link is in the show notes. So go on and jump and join the No Dunks room. And we'll see you live later for that. Hopefully we can talk to Trey Kirby live from the arena, uh, at least during halftime. So come hang out with us, a little second screen experience. Otherwise, enjoy the game. We'll be back tomorrow to break it all down at 10 o'clock a.m. 10 o'clock (laughs) a.m. 10 a.m. This has been too long. Mm -hmm. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, join us tonight. What are you laughing at? So he said, like the vid for dishwasher bread. (laughs) (laughs) And there's the quote right there. (laughs) Embrace the day, people.